Wow, do we have something to tech about, where every episode focuses on ways students create digital evidence of active learning. As a Google for Education district, students and educators alike have free, unlimited access to apps that support creativity, collaboration, communication, and critical thinking, all elements of 21st century active learning. We are Google for Education certified trainers, Drew and Angie with Something Something to to Tech About. Welcome to another episode of Something to Tech About. Today, we are focusing on three big takeaways from the virtual Georgia Educational Technology Conference held recently. Got to say, virtual hugs and high fives all around to the coordinators of the GAETC Connect. They pulled off an amazingly organized and user-friendly conference experience for everyone involved. Um, This year, I attended just as a participant, which was a a new experience, while Drew represented um, something to check about. Yay, Drew! By sharing her experience in one of the concurrent sessions on Saturday. Yeah, and as we reflected on our conference experience, we we seem to find ourselves revisiting three major themes, um, which are so important for educators, not only during uh, remote or hybrid learning, but even when we are in the uh, classroom working with students. And those um, three themes seem to be focused on getting the right gear, Mm -hmm. getting and keeping students involved, and getting students producing um, to show what they know. I like these three themes, and we had such a fun time um, reflecting as we went over our notes about what each of us experienced during the conference. So that's our session for today. I'm excited to dive in. (laughs) So the first one, Angie, get the Uh, right gear. And we know that having the tool for the job, the right tool for the job, um, can make all the difference. And and if you have tools that are worthless, <laughs> yeah, you have to actually have that strategy for using a specific tool, right? Or right, else right. it's just there. Right. And yeah, and teaching is no exception. And 2020 has given us um, opportunity to tap into our inner MacGyver. I see your, your get up um, for how you're teaching remotely. And um, so all of the tools that were mentioned, not all of them, because we didn't attend all of them, but the right, ones right. that we tuned into to support teaching. down. Yeah. We narrowed it down to five things we didn't think teachers could live without. So let's talk about those, Angie. Yeah. Some of these things I already have in my remote workspace, and I'm excited to bring them back into the classroom whenever that happens, because I'm finding I can't really live without them. Um, The first thing on the list is having a set of headphones or microphone that you can count on. And, you know, at at GATC, several different brands were mentioned. um, But I have to say, I rely on the headphones that actually came with my phone. (laughs) Mm-hmm. They work really well. They fit in my ears. They stay in. The microphone is always working. Um, and it seems to give a rather professional sound. I'm using it now. So unless our producer tells me differently, this is what I'll continue to use. Um, <laughs> but definitely, everybody, get yourself um, a decent pair of headphones and a microphone that the students so the students can hear you clearly and your recording of lessons and such will come across nice and clear. Yeah, and just um, listeners, just to let you know that all of the 
um, items that we speak about and some that we won't talk about will be listed on our show notes page, our blog page for this episode. Right. And we don't get any kickback for mentioning these brands or anything like that. These are just some of our favorites and things that were recommended for teachers at the conference. Mm -hmm. And one of the microphone ones was a Samson Go portable microphone. And I just happened to look that up on Amazon. Um, Minimum cost. Uh, You don't have to have a driver. It's Mac and PC compatible. It just clips right onto your laptop or sits on your desk. So um, that's one you may want to consider. And I think even has a little case for throwing it in your bag safely and taking it on the quote unquote road or out in the field, whatever. Definitely. Uh, The next thing I think, or so many people were using, and I am a user of a green screen. And there's Mm. lots of ways to accomplish this, but um, I use green screen in my lessons to um, include an interesting background behind me, whether it has to do with the content of what I'm teaching, or sometimes I throw up the throw up. <laughs> sometimes I display the maybe the notebook page or the notebook setup of how I want the students to set up their journal. There's all sorts of things you can put behind yourself or, or a uh, place you can immerse yourself as a teacher and even get the students to use it too. But ways to get a green screen or get one for your space would be either paint a wall, which sounds sort of extreme, but it's really inexpensive. Hang some paper or fabric. These are really low cost ways to do it. Um, at the GAETC, there was an Elgato collapsible frame that would stretch it perfectly so there's no wrinkles or anything. I think that sold for like $150. Um, but Drew bought me for Christmas last year a pop-up pod. It's like a little green tent and students can go inside with their iPad or their Chromebook and record and then insert their own background. So there's several ways to do this for very little cost. And I can see myself using this much more um, with students when I get back in the building as well in terms mm-hmm. of, you know, social studies. I mean, putting the student, immersing a student rather in a space has an exciting potential, I guess I want to say. There you go. <laughs> okay. Another piece of gear is um, a think board. And I'm not too familiar with this one, but it sounds like it's more for the um, would work well with math for students to show or the teacher to write out the, um, the math problem while sharing, yes. um, her screen. So that is, um, something, uh, think board. It's an actual that- board that you would put up on your wall or lay on the desk and it will work with your recordings and things or, or nice. live. Cool. Yeah. Something that people are struggling with right now, right? Showing math equations and handwriting and things like that. Definitely. That seems to be a high priority for several teachers in the remote um, situations. Another one is is really to have a, a simple device to mount your cell phone or tablet. And I'm guessing maybe this is for recording. Yes. Um, so that, um, like you know, it's just there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the one we'll be recommending is from Amazon. I actually have it myself. And the nice thing about it is that the joints can be tightened. So the device doesn't fall over the course of your recording. It it, Mm -hmm. it won't fall under the weight of the device. It's fantastic for doing demonstrations and things. And if you, um, on my ring light, it actually came with a a mount. So um, anybody that has a ring light may already have that. So that would be good Uh too. Mm-hmm. And number five, 
<laughs> for the gear. Um, Angie spoke about chocolate and lots of it. And I would add probably coffee to that coffee. or caffeine. <laughs> yes. Caffeine, chocolate, whatever it takes to, to help you get through all of this craziness that we're experiencing right now. And again, you'll find um, links on our, our website for all those pieces of gear that we talked about. Connect with us on your favorite social media channel. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at STTechAbout. So our next thing we're going to get into is getting students involved or keeping them involved. And Angie, we know it's no secret. Parent, teachers, and students are alike are tired of the challenges brought on yes. by this pandemic. Like um, remote fatigue or something that's happening, right? We're it, noticing exactly. more and more students are disengaging. Their screens are off. They're not even replying in the chat anymore. Yeah. So we're having to get very creative in how we're delivering our lessons. Exactly. And um, many of those sessions from GAETC focused on some ways and some online tools that teachers could use to incorporate more interaction into both live and recorded lessons. And we're going to kind of list these. There's there's a couple of them. We'll just give a brief description And again, we'll have them on our website. All right, Angie, what's our first one? All right. The first one is Canva. Not sure if a lot of people know about that, but it's a way for you or your students to create really beautiful graphic designs that could be in, that could be added to their classwork. Um, I just introduced it to my students. By the way, you get a free subscription, free premium subscription for teachers once you prove that you're an educator. And the latest quote from one of my kids was, Miss Angie, where has this been all my life? I mean, it's (laughs) definitely something you want to check out. So Canva for really nice graphic design elements. Right. Our next one we're going to talk about is Zedings with a Z. With a Z. Um, (laughs) These help you create interactive presentations, and it can include polling, open-ended questions, word clouds, and, and much more. And yeah, and since they're owned by Canva, yeah. um, you can bring in your your elements from Canva into Zedings, and it it makes a really nice interface. Good, good. Because there is something to be said about having an appealing presentation, right? I realize it's not all about how it looks, but that does sometimes help engage and and pique interest for students. So definitely, I agree with that. Oh, the next one is an oldie but goodie. You've probably heard of this one, everybody. But Ed Puzzle, right? We're showing students a lot of videos. How do we make sure they're actually watching them? How do we keep them in tune? Throw your um, video into Edpuzzle and add your own um, questions and teacher narrations, you know, pauses, places for them to um, add notes and such to their own work. But it's definitely a way to pace the video out and help them get the job done. Edpuzzle. And you want the extension for that as well. Nice. Um, Our next one is Pear Deck. Um, This one is transforming your Google Slides into interactive presentations. You can um, do it instructor paced and so that the students kind of follow along as you. They can't advance through the presentation. Yeah, because you advance the slides for them. It's so cool. 
Exactly. <laughs> and then there is also a student pace. Okay. So depending on what your goal is, your learning goal, you can begin instructor pace and then switch it over to student pace for them to finish on their own. And there is also an extension. It's called Pear Deck Power Up that you need to install so that your GIFs, your videos, and other files are active. And that is Pear Deck. And the next one is Kahoot, which has been around for a while too. And they are making some amazing changes for remote learning. And I wanted to add that each of these things that we're recommending, they all, I think almost all of them have a remote learning page dedicated for teachers with nice resources and tips to um, include the product into your um your instruction. But Kahoot is a lot of fun because you, you're basically gamifying your instruction or maybe your review. It's a, a way for the, the host has the question, the students all answer on their devices. And those of you that used to use this um, in the classroom, you know that you had your question up on the big screen, I'll call it. And then the, the kids participated either in small groups or on their individual devices. And now it works remotely. So you don't even have to be in the same room. Um, it, coincides with, I think, Zoom and Skype and Meet and maybe more video conferencing tools. So gamify your instruction with Kahoot. Nice one. All right. Our next one for all the math um, educators out there, Desmos. And what Desmos mission is, is to get every student to love math and love learning math. Um, Desmos probably is more focused for your middle school math students and, and higher. And they offer activity collections and opportunities for collaboration and feedback, as well as assessment. And, um, one of our earlier guests, uh, on the podcast, Emily McDonald, she surveyed her students and her students actually prefer Desmos over other online math learning tools. So take it from a math teacher. Exactly. She, that was a great presentation. I attended her session and played marble, marble drop or marble slide or something. And you had to, Desmos has all of these activities included. As an algebra student, you had to change the equation to make lines move so that the marbles would slide, marble slide, so that the marbles would slide in a certain way really fun and thoughtful activities for students to make math um, interesting. And I would say um, from the abstract to the concrete. There we go. Sorry. There friend. you go. And again, <laughs> that is Desmos. Okay. That kind of wraps up our top ones for um, online tools for more interaction. Yeah, so we've had hardware tools, and now we've had online tools, and now <laughs> it's time to get students producing. What are the students doing? Right. So, you know, if they have these tools, um, what can they do with them? Or what are some more tools for students to begin showing what they know? So um, we've... Especially during this time, we don't like seeing students sitting at computers, staring at the screens all no. day. Um, you know, nobody really wants that. So screen time should not only be meaningful, but add in the productivity part to that. And um, and if they're simply staring at the screens, you know, they are just consuming all this information. They're gathering it. We're injecting that into them. Um, you know, 
how do we know they're learning? How do we know? Do we wait until the end on a, you know, the final assessment where at that time it's almost too late late. to, yeah. yeah. Um, And it's not to just give a grade. So we really need to think about checking in or having them produce things along the way that, that proves that they have learned what you're hoping they learn. Absolutely. Yes. So getting the student to become a more active participant in the learning process. So making sure that they're creating something, you know, we're talking about injecting, right? Those four C's. Um, Drew spoke about that a lot in her session, injecting the four C's into your lesson planning. So are the students creating? Are they collaborating? Are they using their critical thinking skills? Are they communicating with one another? All those things can really help ensure that your students are for our focus more on the product on the production side of learning rather than the consumer. Yeah. And I want to add to this that, you know, a lot of times when we think about, you know, students producing something, we think about the end result. We've studied the entire unit on the water cycle. Now at the end, let's create a project. And that's not necessarily, I mean, those are good. There's nothing wrong with those. It's not the only way. Exactly. There are some smaller ways along the learning path to for students to produce something. And just with the the first topic we're going to talk about is actually hyperdocs because the the production part is actually built in to the entire lesson. You're packaging it all together so that let's say the students read, you know, um, something about or listen to something about the Civil War, one of the battles. Well, how do you know they get what you wanted them to get from that um, video, maybe? So then you can, you know, either ask them questions or have them do a word cloud or have them, um, you know, just produce a little, you know, tweet about what they learned in a, you know, a tweet deck or something. So, these small things, almost um, formative assessments along the way, I guess is right. what you can. Yeah. In each stage of the, in each stage of the whole entire, whole entire, sorry, Zach, in each stage of the hyperdoc, whether you're in the engage part or the explain part or the, um, you know, the discovery section, each part would have an opportunity for students to produce something small. It could be a 30 second explainer video, like a, a rough draft kind of thing just to come mm-hmm. back to the teacher and explain something or, or even not to the teacher, but to their peer. Um, it doesn't always have to come to the teacher as the audience member either. Exactly. So the first um, thing was hyperdocs. So you'll, um, I think Angie attended lunch with the hyperdoc gals. Lunch with the hyperdoc <laughs> gals. Yes. And mm-hmm. they, they talked a lot about um, using really any platform. I think this began as using Google Docs, right? But now we're finding that really you can create a hyperdoc or a mult, as Google calls it, a multimedia text set. Um, it's really just about finding the way to package instructions so that students can work at their own pace and walk walk themselves through all of the elements, whether they're in, and hyperdoc gals call them engage and then explore, explain, apply, share, and reflect. And so at each stage of that hyperdoc, the students would have an opportunity to produce something small. Mm-hmm. And I the, like that you know. those those different stages is not only for that to engage and explore not only about the content, but actually about the learning 
experience too. So that can be built in. Right. And then, uh, and offering different opportunities for choice as well. So maybe you're exploring something, but then maybe you explain it and you have an opportunity to explain it in a video or explain it in text or explain it in a drawing, or, you know, there could be ways to um, excite learners by giving them some ownership in terms of how they're going to show what they know. So, mm -hmm. Okay. So that was HyperDocs. Our next one, one of our faves. Oh, gotta <laughs> say, yes. And also a past um, guest on our podcast, and that is, um, he was a featured speaker again this year, and that is Tony Vincent. And his always engaging uh, content, he he delivers every time that every he time. presents. Um, yes. His Google drawing activities with shape grams, um, pack video instruction, tips and tricks, and an opportunity to create and even extend the lesson. Yeah, um, I think um, Shapegrams are kind of like the hyperdocs of digital drawing, and mm -hmm. it, he's he's managed to include almost every section of a hyperdoc into a digital drawing lesson for students, and it's amazing because it really builds their confidence. They start small, and the Shapegrams continue to get more complex as they uh, as you continue in this in the different sessions. And I've just been watching students use them and you know, take small risks, but then realize that their own learning and their own style of learning is becoming more and more um, reliable, if that's a thing. You know, they can rely on themselves a little more is what I'm trying mm -hmm. to say. And I think the, the thing about this is, you know, they are <clears throat> within Shapegrams, they are producing an image, right? Yes. But they can take what they're learning there and apply it to other areas. So if they're learning, you know, whatever topic they're learning in, in math or in science, they can apply what they've learned in Shapegrams to Google Drawings and um, produce something else depending right. on the content area. So I think that's right. really, that builds their confidence and they are familiar with that platform so they could turn around and create something different. Totally agree. Totally agree. And I have to say, um, after one of Tony's sessions, um, he stuck around for people to ask, you know, random questions because he's pretty amazing like that. And someone just said, Hey, what's your favorite tool for removing a background? And without hesitation, he said, remove.bg. And I've been using lots of tools to remove backgrounds, but I'd never heard of that. So if you if you're looking for a new favorite to try, try remove.bg. See what see what happens. Be our guest. Join in our conversation on a future episode and share your favorite resources, strategies, and even student projects. You're not in Savannah? No problem. We're just a phone call away. Complete the online form to be our guest on www.somethingtotechabout.com. All right. And finally, we're getting to the... Not, well, yeah, we could say we're saving the best for last. Ms. Drew Pearsall, <laughs> in her session, all was about shifting students, um, shifting student learning from the consumer to the producer. And in this session, Drew um, shared her expertise and she was guiding teachers through lots of listen, lots of lesson designs. But, and, oh, excuse me, I got to start over, Drew. I mean, Zach, Andrew. 
All right. So now we're getting to the point of our whole topic today is showing off what Drew Pearsall presented at the GAATC. <laughs> we are shifting from consumer to producer, having the students really be able to focus on that piece of the lesson. So Drew's session focused on lots of different ways teachers could incorporate that into their instruction. So Drew, why don't you share some of your favorites from the session? Okay. So if you're looking for a way to shift your students, any of the above things that we spoke about previously um, in here, not necessarily the gear, but um, the shape grams and everything else could could lead to this. And I have to say, I think probably one of my one of my favorites and probably um, student friendly, teacher friendly is creating a an online book or an ebook with using Google Slides. It's as simple as that. And on the, our site and in the presentation, I gave a um, it was um, Control Alt Achieve Eric Kurt's example of his. Um, uh, my pickup has the hiccups. Yes. And um, he created a book, just very simple template using Google Slides. And then he, for each slide, he imported um, his audio as well of him reading those pages. So if you have students uh, studying and you want them to produce something Along the way, let's say the steps to the sci a science fair project, the scientific method, maybe something like that. You could have them produce it along the way each time they learn one of the steps or practice one of the steps of the scientific method. And then they could add their voice to it explaining yeah, I, I see this as a collaborative book, too. Each student mm -hmm. having a different slide and bringing in their own image and their own sentences and then recording their voice. Absolutely. And basically, all to make it online is all you do is publish to the web and supply the link for the world to see. So what a great way to get your students to produce um, something about their learning, but also have them present it to the world outside, you know, just outside the classroom. So that's a, that's a big advantage. And I guess the next one is um, interactive posters. So mm. let's say your students have been working with shape grams, Tony Vincent's shape grams, and they are gung-ho about using Google drawing. Why not have them create an interactive poster? And that's simply by opening a new Google drawing adding text, adding images, adding shapes, adding, and then adding links. And it's, it's that simple. So let's say, go back to the um, scientific method. So step one, they could have an image and a, maybe a short text and then have a link to a site or a link to a video that gives um, the viewers more information or the whoever's interacting with that poster. So, so it's almost like creating buttons so that there's a poster, there's um, images on the poster. The the end user would click on the shape or the or the image and it would then bring them to another location. Exactly. Exactly. 
Or it could, Which could be, be just, within a slideshow even. Exactly. That's what I was getting ready <laughs> to say. It could be just but within a single slideshow and not taking them out to the to the web or anything. Right. So you and can I think it. um yeah. Um my presentation's gonna also gonna be on our our site with lots of templates and lots of ideas. And we think that after you see um, your students' progress on switching from just the sit and get to the yeah. to the production part, I think you're going to be hooked and realize that it not only helps the the students themselves, but you as the educator, because you're you're giving control over to your students and you become more of a spectator. Yeah, a guide, <laughs> a, a guide. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Or a facilitator. So it kind of allows you to back off, um, you know, so to speak. Right. I see these types of ideas working really nicely with, um, you know, kicking it off with a live lesson while we're remote, giving students the necessary background or, or um, a little bit of instruction on maybe the tools they're going to use, and then send them off on their own, mm-hmm. which would then, um, you know, reduce the bandwidth. It, it takes care of a lot of, you know, glitchy kind of problems too, where they go off on their own and they work on this thing independently or maybe with another another grown up, depending on their grade level. And then they come back and share what they built. Um, I'm finding that more students are involved when they go off on their own. And the next time I see them, okay, we'll be open with a sharing session and they get to share the thing that they built with the class. Mm, nice. Um, yeah. And that's been I've been getting more and more students participating in that regard, whether if even if they didn't get a chance to do the um, the activity, of course, mine or not, you know, I'm the technology teacher, I'm not the math teacher. So their content areas come first. But the instructional design is the same where they're enjoying watching what their other neighbors have built, even if they don't get a chance to share or they didn't do it. They're still gaining something from what their classmates are coming up with. Um, and I've been getting more participation from that, just from that strategy. Right. Right. So, you know, shifting to the producer and then giving the kids the opportunity to share with one another has been, has been really helpful for them. Oh, the share portion is probably a big thing. Definitely. Well, guys, that kind of wraps up, um, our recap of what we pulled away from GAETC. We thank you for listening. Um, we hope our conversations on, you know, help spark your next teaching adventure. And we'd love to hear how it goes. So if you give this a try, you know, some of the tools, the online tools, the gear or the shifting from consumer to producer, let us know how it goes. Respond in the blog or um, connect with us online. I mean, on your social media networks. Definitely. And special thanks to the following presenters at GAETC um, for inspiring today's episode and giving us something Something to talk about. about. (laughs) Yes. Thank you. Go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, Leslie Fisher. Um, Tony Vincent, the HyperDot Gals, Emily McDonald, Abby Futrell, and of course, Drew Pearsall from Something to Tech About. (laughs) 